I'm your host, Veronica Thompson, and welcome back to another riveting, 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 ravishing, all the R's, another great episode of Above the Mean, a podcast about individuals actively pursuing their passions and pushing themselves to be better than the standard in order to stand out. This episode is for all my free spirits and free thinkers, all those who recognize that the 9 to 5 work life isn't for them, and the people who want a little more freedom when it comes to their career. Listen as I chat with the amazing Sam LaLiberty about the freedom lifestyle, living in your truth, and so much more. Today, I am joined by Sam LaLiberty, an entrepreneur, digital nomad, and freedom speaker. She is the host for the Freedom Lifestyle podcast, whose main mission is to expose people to the many ways you can design your dream life and unlock your own version of the freedom lifestyle. Sam, thank you so much for coming on my podcast today just to like share your journey and all your experiences. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so great, grateful that you and I connected. I know, definitely. And I just love to know a little bit more about you as well as I'm sure our audience would. Where were you born? I'm Canadian. So I was actually born in a small town that's four hours north of Toronto. That's always like the best reference as a Canadian is Toronto, you know, Drake, The Weeknd, <laughs> Justin international, yeah, our international superstars. Yeah. So I was born in a small town about four hours north of Toronto and lived in Canada basically my whole life. But now, of course, you know, spoiler, I'm nomadic. And so I'm currently in Costa Rica and take advantage of that remote lifestyle. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm actually, so I'm from upstate New York. So I've been to Canada quite a few times. Anytime that we had family come over to visit us, they would always want us to take them to Niagara Falls. So I've been to Niagara Falls <laughs> like five or seven times, but Hopefully I love in the summer. <laughs> Hopefully in the uh, usually summer. in the summer, but I've also okay, been good. to the winter festival that they've had up there where they just do the amazing ice sculptures. I love it. So I'm very familiar with the cold. I love Canada. I think it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been a great place to grow up for sure. And as a traveler, everyone loves Canadians. You know, when people hear that you're Canadian, it's just this pass you get where people <laughs> like you. So, you know, I'm riding that a little bit as well now in my no. international days. I know it really is. I feel like everyone just associates Canada with just nice, like nice yeah. people, nice weather. Well, minus the cold, but like <laughs> nice, beautiful scenery. <laughs> This person's not going to cause any fuss here. And it's just like, just wait until you get to know me. For Ooh, sure. Okay. A little spicy. <laughs> I was going to ask you yeah. growing up, were you more of an introvert or an extrovert? Definitely extroverted. Yeah. I once did the, you know, the MBTI personality test, right? Oh, where you yeah. can kind of figure out where you are on that scale. So I distinctly remember it was a company retreat early on in my career when I had a traditional job and they did this activity where I, they get, they gave you an actually quantifiable number with how extroverted or introverted you were. And they put all these people in a room. There's probably like 60 of us and we had to get in line. And I was second from the front in terms of Ooh. extroverted. There was one person who was more extroverted than me. 
And so very leaning extroverted, not one of these on the line people, traditional extrovert, love people. When I'm alone too often, I get tired. I get bored. I feel like, what am I even doing with my life? What did I even do today? I feed off that energy. And, you know, that's kind of followed me my whole life ever since I was a kid into, you know, how I spend my time now. Like I was always very social. I was just going to say, I feel like you're in the perfect for career for being an extrovert, just because I feel like I've listened to so many of your podcasts and they really just talk about just having this free spirit and just basically living life to the fullest, which I love. And I'm curious to know, when did you realize working a nine to five wasn't meant for you? Hmm. Pretty much from the very beginning. Yeah. My parents are entrepreneurs. So I grew up from a very entrepreneurial family. My grandparents were entrepreneurs and I grew up watching them have a business. So I was exposed at a very young lifestyle, less to the business side. Like we never talked about business and money as a kid, but I definitely got to watch people I was close with create their own days and create their own schedule and be able to pick me up from school if I was sick or be able to come to something that was during the day or just like have that flexibility for me, that was always normal. And so then after I graduated from university and had the nine to five, and I didn't have that flexibility from a very early experience, I remember feeling trapped and this isn't how it's supposed to be. And this doesn't make any sense. And no, why couldn't I just finish my, my work at night? Like there's this cool thing happening in the middle of the day that I want to go to. So right away, I didn't agree with the nine to five lifestyle, but then it took me some times to figure out, okay, if I want to be my own boss, you know, what's my idea or how am I going to do that? And, and that journey has been a bit more of a ride, but from the very beginning, I knew I wanted to kind of just create my own days and have that flexibility that being your own boss and being an entrepreneur allows you to have. I feel like that's really interesting that you kind of already grew up in that type of environment and setting. Cause I feel like a lot of people, this is a very like new notion to them. Like a lot of people, I feel like are very scared, but excited of the idea of basically being your own boss and creating your own hours. And I was curious. So I know that you have your podcast, the freedom lifestyle podcast. What prompted you to really start podcasting? What started me, what prompted me to start a podcast, it was totally selfish, actually. So I was at a stage in my life, I was going through a transition. So the, the quick story is I was in a long distance relationship. You know, the starts is a love story. My partner, who's now my fiance in the other room, being told to be very quiet while I'm on this <laughs> podcast interview, <laughs> we were long distance. He was in San Francisco. I was in Toronto and I was working for a company at nine to five that did not have any remote work like policy whatsoever. And I would fly to San Francisco and I'd be at his office where there was tons of areas for me to work great Wi-Fi, And I would just want to extend one day. Can't do my sales calls from here from one day. My company was really against it, really against it. So end up quitting that job and decide I'm going to go work in San Francisco. That doesn't work out, which you can hear all about it on my podcast is very, very dramatic, but I found <laughs> myself unemployed. I'd quit my job for another company and then the visa thing didn't work out. 
And so originally my idea was I'm just going to figure out other people who are finding an alternative solution to this, which is how do you work from anywhere and get around these visa restrictions, which can often be a barrier from going to the United States and working or coming to Costa Rica and working, which is where I am currently. And so I actually started my podcast as a way to just reach out to people who I knew were living this lifestyle, who I'd found online, who were being interviewed about this digital nomad life lifestyle. And I figured I'd just call it a podcast. Podcasts were starting to become a thing. I thought I would leverage this trend as a way to reach out to people. And it was just going to be a five episode season. And it was such a hit. People really resonated with this story. And I realized I'm not the only one. This was in 2017 before remote work really blew off. And a lot of people were messaging me and being like, this is amazing. This is what I want to do too. And unexpectedly, I just started to grow this community and there was a demand for this type of content. So I just kept going and now I'm on season five. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's really, really amazing. I love that it took a series of like events to kind of get you to where this amazing platform where you are today. And I was Mm going to ask, how do you go about finding your guests to be on your podcast? Yeah. So typically when I start an episode, right, I'll either have a topic. So I'll say, okay, this is a topic that I'm really curious about. So an example right now that I'm looking for, if you know anybody is travel hacking. I know that there are people who are exploiting credit cards and credit card points and are like traveling around the world for free. And I don't know how they're doing it. I know I have a couple of credit cards and I get my aeroplane points, but definitely not flying for free. And so I'm really interested in creating an episode around travel hacking. So sometimes it happens like that, where I have an idea for content and then I'll try to find an expert in it. The other way it sometimes happens is there'll be someone who's noteworthy in my space. So nomadic Matt, perfect example of someone who is a dream guest for me, who I got to have on my show, where there's someone I wanted to talk to and wanted to reach out to. And then in that case, I just kind of see where the conversation goes and the themes and the takeaways kind of come from it. But it's, it's usually one of those two, two routes. No, I actually do have someone I think that would be good for your travel. So I'll have to give you okay. the, a guest from a previous. Um, they kind of host the Chubby Diaries and they talk about just traveling for like plus size individuals and doing it on like uh, affordable incomes and just things like that. So that's something I'll definitely have to give you after the interview. Cool. Yeah. There's a whole world of these people just traveling for free, even with these credit card points, which I don't, I don't know how they're doing it. I need to find out. No, once you find out, let me know. So then I can travel. <laughs> Okay, cool deal. One thing I, after, cause I listened to a bunch of your episodes, but I absolutely loved the transparency in your episode. Why pause my podcast for a year? I just felt like I could really relate to a lot of things that you were going through in regards to what it's like to have a restless spirit that basically longs for adventure, which is very hard to feed when you're in the middle of a global pandemic. Well, first of all, thank you for doing your research and listening to my podcast. That means a lot. You know how much effort it it is into creating these episodes and know you hope that people are listening and that it's meaningful. So thank you so much for listening. And I'm glad you connected with that story. It's It's a bit of a controversial episode, right? Because my take is essentially that I had been living this freedom lifestyle where I was creating my own rules and designing my own life and traveling and mobility were such a big part of my value system and everything I was teaching people to do in my entire career. And then bam, the pandemic hits and everything I stand for is not only like 
borderline illegal <laughs> in Canada. It got pretty intense for a while, but definitely socially frowned upon. And it was a really difficult time where I had this identity crisis of, I can't be me. And so I decided, well, I'm going to be me secretly. And basically that was my, my first plan. I'm like, I'm going to still live my life. I'm still going to figure out how to travel and have some type of freedom, you know, within, within safety measures and being yeah, responsible, within guidelines. but yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, that wasn't the, that's not everybody's opinion. Right. And so that was really difficult. And so when I created this episode, it was kind of like, okay, here's why you haven't heard from me, me in a year. Here's what I have been doing. But over this time, I've really thought about it. And if I'm being true to myself, it, part of it is standing up for what I believe in and knowing that some people would hear that episode and disrespect the choices that I made, but then hopefully other people would hear it and feel seen and heard and that this time was really difficult for them too. And, you know, they had to navigate that as well. So yeah, it's, it's great to be back. It was definitely a very weird time. And I just doubled down on stuff outside of the freedom lifestyle. And, you know, there was benefits to that too. No, can you talk about a little bit of the benefits or like things that you kind of worked on while I guess being inside in the pandemic? Because I know for me as an extrovert, like we were talking about, we feed all people, we feed off energy. And so once that's gone, it's like, well, what do you do? How do you feed yourself? Like, how do you feel your, feed your spirit? Mm -hmm. Well, I got engaged and I bought a house. Congratulations. <laughs> I feel like, okay, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. My partner is very similar to me in terms of, you know, we're very adventurous and the idea of settling down, getting married, getting a house. These all seem like great ideas, but there's always like 10 other things we're more excited about doing. And neither of us is offended that instead of planning a wedding, we'd rather plan a backpacking trip across South America. But we knew we wanted to do that one day. And we knew that we were ready to invest in a property and, you know, find the benefits of that. And so that's what we did during the pandemic at the very beginning. This was during the, okay, I'm going to follow the rules and not leave the country and not see anybody phase we checked off some of those life milestones, which felt really good. But then after that, yeah, we got super restless, especially me. And I felt so isolated and it was so hard to be creative in that space where I couldn't do the things that made me feel free and happy and that lit me up and allowed me to pursue my purpose and, and what I think I'm really here to do and what kind of I've been doing and what I feel like I have momentum with, which is, you know, sharing alternative lifestyles and, and helping people achieve freedom. If that's something that they want, whether it's through business or through remote work, but you know, I'm really excited about that. And so it was tough to just not only not be able to do the things personally you wanted to do, but also professionally, I couldn't act as the professional I wanted to be as well. Yeah. And you just kind of felt, I I'm assuming like lost. Yeah. A hundred percent. I remember a girlfriend asked me about five months in, she's like, when's the podcast coming back? And I remember saying, to be honest, probably never. She was like, I feel like I saw that coming. And I had totally got myself to a place where this was a fun thing I did for a bit, but you know, this is your monkey mind. And, you know, I just convinced myself, like, I'm okay with all of this, even though everything around me was telling me, you know, you're not happy, you know, but to get personal, my partner and I, that was one of the, the toughest times of our lives, considering we were getting engaged in buying a house. You know, we, of course, weren't the best partners with each other. We weren't living true to ourselves and how we wanted to be. And so, 
yeah, it was, it was a difficult time, but I'm feeling like it was also an opportunity for me to really think deeply about these things and to, there's a, there's a term for it where it's, I think it's negative visualization, where if you're starting to feel like you're taking something for granted, maybe it's a relationship in your life, or you're finding yourself kind of annoyed about something, you basically imagine what it would be like to not have that thing. And that's when you really get the sign to yourself of how badly you still want it. And it gives you perspective to focus on the positive. And I feel like that's what it gave me. I really got shone a light in terms of, okay, well, if you stop doing this and you just settle for maybe, you know, client work or freelance work or doing things behind the scenes or, you know, just buying your house and just starting the family thing and never leaving, you know, you could do that, but how is that going to affect me long-term? And I kind of got a, a glimpse of what that lifestyle was like and a, and a big reminder that that's not what I want, at least for right now. No. And I feel like one thing that I really admire about your freedom lifestyle podcast is that it's more than just a podcast. It's more, it's this amazing community that you've seen to develop. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Mm-hmm. So we have an online community of freedom seekers. That's the name that we've coined for ourselves is people who are just pursuing freedom. And the tagline for the show is what's your free, which is really, it's a metaphor for that freedom looks different for everybody. And every person in this community has different drivers, different motivators. There's the way I've structured it in a way to kind of identify, okay, well, where do I fall on this? There's people who are most motivated by financial freedom. There's people who are motivated by schedule freedom. And there's people who are motivated by location freedom. And obviously we want all three, but there could be something that you're more drawn towards and everyone's motivation is different. It can be everything from a young mom who was on maternity leave, fell in love with their baby, of course, and was like, I can't go back to work now. I want to stay at home and raise my kids myself. And I need to figure out how flexible work can enable me to do that. And and then you can meet someone completely different who is, you know, a single traveler who just broke up with a partner who they thought they were going to marry and spend their life with and realize that they've never actually taken the time to figure out who they are and and explore the world and now want to figure out how to spend a year traveling the world and having and work facilitate that and have a life adventure and exploration. And these people can all be part of the same community because really what we all unite around is this like freedom to liberate our lives through flexible work and have flexible work be the enabler for what we want our dream life to be. And it's just so cool that there's so many different motivators and so many different ways that that can happen. But then there's also just so many different routes. Like now you can just be a a remote worker. You don't even have to be an entrepreneur anymore, right? You can have location independence and have that security of a full-time job Or you can be a freelancer where you don't need to come up with a novel business idea. You just need to figure out, okay, how do I position myself as an expert and, you know, sell professional services, or you can be a traditional entrepreneur and like create your own product and service. Um, So there's just like so many different ways you can do it now. And the online community is a way to bring people together and share those resources and unite over that common ground. And I feel like 2020, if it showed us anything, it really did show us that a lot of jobs can be done remote, which I think is really nice because it's really opened up that aspect and like perspective to people who I feel like never even could imagine working like where you are, you're still working, but you're working in Costa Rica, which is amazing. And I bet it's beautiful. Like, how do you like working remote so far? 
I love it. And it's an interesting point that you make because I remember when the pandemic first hit and with no notice, all of a sudden everyone had to be working from home. And I remember having a lot of friends complain to me about that. Like, I can't believe you like this. This is awful. Me and my partner are both working from home. We don't have the proper setup. And I remember saying, just wait. It's not about working from home. It's about working from anywhere. And so, you know, sure, you can just double down on working from home. And with time, you know, you can buy a proper desk and maybe you and your partner can figure out who works where, or, you know, make that work better. But ideally, you leverage this ability to be anywhere you need to be or anywhere you want to be. So anywhere you want to be is the fun things, right? Like I want to be in Costa Rica right now because it's winter in Canada <laughs> and I love the sun. And this morning I hopped on my bike at 7.45 and like biked in a sports bra and shorts to a yoga studio, did a lovely yoga class and, you know, biked along the ocean, went to beach volleyball after work and I'm eating organic fruits on the beach, right? Like I want this lifestyle, but then sometimes I need to be somewhere else. For example, my grandma and I are very, very close. And prior to me having this lifestyle, I would see her maybe like four weekends a year. Now I go stay with her for four weeks at a time, sometimes six weeks. I have my own little basement set up where I work from my own little bathroom and shower and everything. And we can totally co-live together. And, you know, that's somewhere I need to be if she's getting sick or if we're feeling like, you know, time, who knows how much time we have left together. And so like, really, that's the power of remote work is working from anywhere, not necessarily working from home. Uh, so to answer your question, yeah, I love it. And I cannot, I would be shocked if there's a crystal ball and I look into it and I am at an office job five days a week for 40 hours, like something has really changed for that to be my future. No. And I feel like, like you had said, I feel like the biggest key takeaway from it is flexibility. Like it mm -hmm. really allows you to do whatever it is that you need to, or be anywhere that you need to. And I was going to ask, cause I saw that on your website, you have that you're a part-time digital nomad. Could you explain what it is to be a digital nomad? Well, digital nomad, then there's kind of some talk on that, right? In any community, in any subculture, there's going to be, well, you're not fully a digital nomad. You're, you're going to get some of that, right? I'm just, who knows what your identity is? It's more just about what are you drawn to? But traditionally, a digital nomad is somebody who doesn't have a fixed address. So there's no place where your items are. You maybe you have a storage locker, but like you don't have an apartment, you don't have a fixed address. You're typically like living from a backpack, maybe a couple backpacks, and you are maintaining that lifestyle where you're working from anywhere and you're living from anywhere. And how often you move around doesn't really matter, but the core idea is that you have no fixed address. Okay. Like if someone wanted to send you mail, it has to be digital. You, you know where to send it. And so at the beginning I pursued that. I thought that was really interesting. And we did that for a while. And especially at the very beginning, like you're just so excited about the potential that you just say yes to like 20 countries or like a dozen countries in a couple of months and you're constantly moving around and you're exhausted and it's really hard to sustain. So then you get better and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to stay a month in one place so I can, you know, get settled in, figure out the co-working space, figure out my routines. I want to still be able to work out. I want to live there. 
and you get better and better. And where I'm at right now, five years into it is one, I wanted an, an investment property, right? My partner and I were ready for that. We also are starting to think like I'm 32 now, you know, what is the five-year plan? Like, what does that look like? And where do we want to be if we ever did settle down? And so we started to think about like where we would want to do that. And so for me, being a part-time digital nomad means like I own property. I have a house, my items are there, but half the year I'm not there. And it's, it could be more, it could be less, but at least 50% of the time I'm not physically in that house. And when I'm not there, I'm airbnb it. So right now I have a couple who's been there for three months and what I'm charging them is like thousands of dollars more than what I'm paying in rent here. And you can really have even more benefits that way. So I think the digital nomad community can be a little cliquey in that sense, but I think maybe I'm onto something more where I'm just sustaining this lifestyle even more. And I guess I could be 12 months a year, but I do have a house, so it doesn't qualify me. No, I was just going to say, I feel like that's an amazing opportunity and what you, what you're using for Airbnb is just another great side hustle. And that was one of my following questions I was going to ask you, because I know you're basically doing podcasting full time, but do you have any other side hustles that you do to kind of help supplement your income? Totally. Yeah. I'm all about multiple revenue streams. So I like to have a mix of passive and active revenue streams. So my active revenue streams are like when I need to physically be doing something in order to make that money, that would look like my consulting work. So I help people launch podcasts, whether it's an individual or a company have a bit of an agency where I have a couple people working with me, engineers, marketing assistants. And so some companies will hire us to like produce their full show and market it on a monthly basis. And so that's like more active. I also kind of freelance as a speaker and a host. So I'll get paid to speak at events or to host different events. Right now I've been hosting company retreats as kind of a side gig in different international places around the world, which is pretty fun. So those are the kind of things that I do to like actively make my money. And then passively, of course, there's the Airbnb revenue. I definitely invest in the stock market, whether it's a mix of like ETFs and automated, actually doing the trading myself, some crypto, things like that, some VC investment. So definitely investment is part of it. And then I have some digital products as well. So you can take my how to launch a podcast on a budget course. And that's something that, you know, I've recorded once and people can buy. And that's just like money I'm making without having to physically be there. So lots of different revenue streams. Some make me more than others. Some I wish made me more than others, but you know, I'm, it's a, it's a constant journey and I'm improving every quarter. Wow. Yeah. It definitely sounds like a wide variety. And just as you were naming them, I a thought occurred to me, do you feel like, so you've traded in your nine to five for more freedom, but do you ever feel like you are actually working more than 40 hours a week by just getting content or doing all these different things to uh, work with those different ventures or side hustles that you're doing? Yeah, I'll be honest, like some weeks you do work more than you want to. And Costa Rica, you feel it a lot because the sun is shining and it's three o'clock in the afternoon and I have to go on a call that actually really feels like work. And I think that's really good for me to come here and have clearly other things I'd rather be doing because I'll just take some liberties here. I think that in a lot of communities and a lot of places where you are, whether it's winter or not, if all your friends are just like working, it's kind of like, well, why not? 
there's not much of an opportunity cost. And so you might as well double down and just and do more work, which my whole philosophy is I want to flip that. I want work to facilitate my dream lifestyle. So when I come to Costa Rica for these three months stints, and it's like very much in my face where I could be at the beach, the sun is shining. I have a lot of friends here that are doing like alternative type of work. And so they're free during the day. It's a really good reality check of that. But I would say mostly I'm trying to work around 25 hours a week is like my target. And some weeks I do more than that. Some weeks I do less than that, really depending on stuff. And the same way I want to be flexible with my lifestyle, I need to be flexible with that. So, you know, there's a retreat coming up and with events, you kind of need to double down and you know, part of who I am is doing amazing work. And so, you know, if it takes me 40 hours to work next week, because I have an event coming up in order for me to produce something amazing, I'm okay with that. And then I know after that event's done, I'm chilling. I'm like planning <laughs> a vacation. I'm planning to break. And so, yeah, you got to be a bit malleable with it. It's, I have a very unpredictable style schedule where things look quite different on a quarterly basis. Yeah. And I love that philosophy. Basically work hard, but play even harder. Yeah, absolutely. And how you define play is up to you, right? Like for me, I'm very much the traditional play. Like I love sports and adventure and traveling and partying and socializing, but for other people, play could be personal development and going to breath work and going to doing ceremonies and workshops and reading and creating new hobbies. I think that's amazing. And it's just more about this is not just accepting. I'm going to spend 80% of my life just working. Just, I really think that we should be questioning that more. No, I definitely agree. I really do. And it's interesting that you say that I, one of the podcasts that I was listening to, you stated freedom is achieved by creating a life that reflects your individual beliefs and desires, whether or not they align with the norms or expectations that you've been exposed to. And that sentiment really stuck out to me just because we truly are the product of the environment we grew up in. It shapes mm -hmm. our beliefs, our values, our mindset. Like it simply just plays a huge development in our mindset. And me personally, I feel like I've recently been testing and kind of questioning a lot of those preconceived ideologies that I was taught, like the definition of what is success and what is working culture. And I feel like I've had this conversation with my dad where he was telling me, like, I was telling him I really wasn't enjoying my nine to five anymore. And I, I want to be free. Like, I want to have that freedom. And he was just like, well, you got to work. We got to work to save for retirement, all this stuff. And I was just like, dad, I feel like we grew up in two different generations where your generation really valued working and you saw it as a means to an end in order to provide for your family. Whereas I feel like my generation, I I work, but I want to still live like I work to live. And even then, I don't want my work to keep me from living. Yeah, 100 percent. Preach. Like, I feel that so much. And while I've been blessed in some ways in terms of having a very entrepreneurial family and upbringing where my upbringing lacked was the inability to think big as an entrepreneur. So my family are notorious hard workers. It's very difficult for them to delegate. It's very difficult for them to go from solo entrepreneur to business owner where they're hiring people and delegating, you know, my mom, my stepdad, they just think no one can do it as good as them. And they're stuck in that trap. And so they're just working and they're working and they're working. Whereas for me, when I came into it, I really wanted to leverage 
all of these new technologies that we're seeing, which are helping us be more efficient or these different ways that we can outsource tasks to people who are experts in something else or to people living in different parts of the world and empowering them. And I wanted to like leverage this new economy and to find ways to not just, you know, spend all of your time working as an entrepreneur sure you get more money and more gains, but you're still trading that lifestyle. And so, yeah, that was something I had to really push through. And and that was my hardest thing to overcome. Um, Same, same with like money mindset. I think my family is notorious for undervaluing how much they're worth and how much they should be charging things. And now I find myself coaching my mom being like, okay, you really need to up your prices for that. Like you don't do any advertising. Everyone thinks you're amazing. You're constantly saying no to work. Like this is rule 101 to raise your prices. And, you know, she's all nervous about that. And so, you know, that's something I was really exposed to that I realized, can okay, I need to get some coaching on this or I'm going to fall into the exact same traps. And so it's interesting that you said that because I know as an entrepreneur, setting your price is one of the hardest things I feel like you can do because it's like, you know, your work is good, but then you also start doubting. You're like, Ooh, well, I want, I want to book clients, but I don't want to ask them for too much in case they don't want to pay. Or just like, how did you go about setting your worth essentially? Mm -hmm. I mean, I underpriced myself at the beginning and I don't regret that because I think there is a case to be saying when you're beginning, when you're starting, when you're either like building a roster of clients or trying to get a few examples in your portfolio, you know, there is something to be said to have true experience, experience one from being able to have testimonials and examples, but like experience that gives you the confidence. Every time I had a client or someone tell me I did an amazing job, I felt that much more confident the next time charging the next person more. So I don't regret that I started off with lower prices, whether it was as a Fiverr seller or whether it was as a freelancer or a business owner. Luckily, I get to give myself a raise whenever I want. That's the best part. No one's deciding I'm getting a raise in my annual review. I can do it on a weekly basis if I want. And so for me, it's been a it's been an increase over time and it's been pretty rapid. And having those experiences at the beginning where you just went through the motions of someone hiring you and not letting price be the reason that was really good because then you just got more and more confident in your skills. And then you could just keep charging more confidently because you, you know, you do great work and you also have the experience to back it up now. And I saw that. I wonder, did you gain a lot of experience from Fiverr? Cause I also see that you're a Fiverr pro podcast consultant. Can you give us some tips or tricks on how to really make yourself stand out on Fiverr so that you can gain more traffic and more business? Yeah. Try Fiverr has been an amazing platform for me, but it didn't start out that way. So at the beginning, I was still having to go seek out a lot of my own clients and ask for work and pitch people. Now I don't do any of that. 100% of my podcasting clients for that specific revenue stream come through Fiverr and it's, it's going quite well. I wake up to people ordering my gigs and then I send them my calendar link and then I have my call schedules for the week and the money is all through Fiverr. So it's really great, but a very similar thing happened at the beginning where I think I sold my first gig just to give you some transparent numbers. It was like for a 60 minute call with me, it was maybe 35 US dollars. And that's like what I started with. Now my lowest package for 60 minute call is 200 US. 
And that's just something I keep increasing. Right. And for some people, they might think like, wow, she could be charging more for that. Some people might be like, wow, 200 is amazing. It's literally all relative. I've learned that what you think is like such an amazing stretch goal for someone else is like child's play. And for someone else, they're like, oh, I used to charge that. And somebody like, that's amazing. So the number doesn't matter. It's really relative and it's up to you to set that. But that's where I started. And it's been probably a year and a bit, maybe let's call it 15 months to go from $35 an hour to $200 an hour. And I just started, started doing great work getting reviews. It's a platform that's really based on getting reviews and people being able to see you have traction. And then for Fiverr Pro, that's something you actually apply for. So anyone can be a Fiverr seller. Like you could literally go on tomorrow and be like, Hey, I'm a Fiverr seller. This is my gig. Here's the price. Then they have this other program called Fiverr Pro that you apply for. You have to create a video for it's actually an application process. And that kind of gives you like this stamp of approval that Fiverr vouches for you. And that's also very helpful. Then you show up more in the algorithm rhythms. You kind of have that like credibility on your profile. Then there's like fiber business. There's fibers choice. There's so many different things on that platform, but it's going really well. And I just have the one gig on there. Just, I can help you launch market or monetize your podcast. And yeah, on a weekly basis, I'm meeting new podcasters and it's been a really cool way to just meet a ton of people. I would never be meeting with if I was just working my existing network which is what I did at the beginning, just like working my existing network, posting on Instagram, going through my LinkedIn. Who do I know? Who do I know? Versus internet, <laughs> like who wants to talk to me? So I'm meeting all types of people now. No, I love it. I'm a little bit familiar with Fiverr. Um, I actually had a friend who did it and his thing was he'll send you anything from Texas. Um, just because Texas apparently has really interesting food items. I didn't realize this, but he would get a lot of gigs. Like he would have people ask him for like certain type of chips or like certain types of food products and he'd send it to them. And that was his fiber gig. And I thought that was so creative and so interesting. I was just like, okay, that's a perfect example of finding something to work for you. Totally. Yeah. That is very, very original. So Fiverr <laughs> is the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. So anyone can go on there and buy a service, right? You can hire me to, you know, consult with you on your podcast, but it's also most often used for things like design me a logo or develop music for my podcast opener, or I need a voiceover actor to record this commercial for me. And so you can find a lot of great talent and everything's transparent. So it really expedites the process of, you know, finding someone being able to see that they know what they're talking about because you can see the reviews, knowing what their price is, just paying for it. None of this negotiation And on the flip side of that, you could be a seller where you could be on the other end of that and just selling any service you want on the platform. Yeah, it's truly great. And I feel like it's one of those, how you said, just like one of the many services that are now available and helpful to people who want to live this nomadic lifestyle and be able to work anywhere. A hundred percent. Yeah. I actually got to know Fiverr and even had them on my radar because they were my very first sponsor for my podcast. And so I wasn't a Fiverr seller or anything. I just wanted to work with brands who have the same vision for the future of me and that future of work. And, you know, they were a perfect example in 2017 of someone who was enabling people to live this lifestyle. So when I reached out to them, it was like, they totally got it. And they saw the potential in me and saw the potential in what I was doing with my podcast right away. It's been this beautiful partnership where I speak at their conferences. They've been sponsoring my podcast. 
I sell one of my courses as a Fiverr Learn, which is a platform where you can take all these different online courses. I have, I have a course with them. And, you know, it's just been this amazing relationship back and forth because we just really see the same vision and just like had that shared vision for like what work should be from the very beginning, which has been really beautiful. So then they reached out to me and said, you know, you should really be on Fiverr's platform and added this amazing revenue stream too. And that's amazing. Cause I, one thing that I wanted to ask you is what has been the most challenging thing about being your own boss? Mm, There's so many. Well, some of the things that come to mind right away, the challenges about being your own boss is you have people in your life who are not, and you typically hear a lot of the positive things about the traditional workforce. And it's easy to get triggered. It's easy to get jealous and question. Oh, that sounds really nice. I have an example. I have a very close girlfriend. She is recruiting for a new job right now. And her company, because they found out she wanted to leave, gave her a $60,000 raise to stay to do the exact same job, the exact same job, but she will make $60,000 more if she doesn't leave the company. Okay. You can just imagine how much her offer was at this other company that she was getting. And she was in sales, which was what I left in order to do this. And so you hear stories like this and you're like, that sounds really nice to just get an extra $60,000 to not just do for anything differently. Yeah. yeah just doing just what doing you basically are already doing that. That's pretty much a dream. <laughs> hundred percent. My fiance, same thing. So he has the freedom lifestyle in the sense that he had, he works for a completely remote company and their model is everyone gets paid the same, but every time the company receives another like financial goal or hits another revenue target, everyone at the company makes an additional thousand dollars a month. So it's like, that sounds really nice too. Again, these like perks for not really doing anything sound really cushy. Or I have a friend who the company pays for her car or pays for her cell phone. And so I think it's a challenging part is, you know, you kind of always have to go back to your why and really, really have to stay grounded in reality, which is, yes, there are these shiny things that you see and that you don't have, but you have to remember everything that you walked away from and that that $60,000 raise wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't be enough because it's not the lifestyle you want to be living and you can't money can't buy that and they can't buy your way out of being unhappy. And I mean, definitely money's nice. I year one of business versus year three is night and day year one. I got to do nothing. I spent no money. I was constantly being frugal year three. I could start paying for things year five. Things feel really good, but And so, yeah, money can help you feel a bit more comfortable, but I think that's really difficult is just making sure you're constantly really grounded and you're not tempted to, to leave entrepreneurship and to go back to something that seems really comfortable and space and safe. And then just repeat the cycle. Cause I actually did that. I started my first business when I was 24 to 27, my founders and I split up, I got a job again and thinking it would be fine. And after a year, it was the same thing. And so then I started working for myself again when I was 29 and then 32 now, something like that. Does that number make sense? I don't know. Point is <laughs> I have, you know, gone back and forth. And every time I go back thinking it's going to be different, it's, it's the same story again, which is like, I can't live this lifestyle sustainably and be happy. 
No, and I really, I feel that. And I can resonate with that because I feel like ultimately you knew deep down that you weren't meant to be working for someone else. You were meant to be your own boss. You were meant to create your own freedom. And I feel like at your core, when you go against what is meant for you, it's never going to work out. A hundred percent. And it could work out for a bit. It really can. But long-term, it's the same things that'll happen. It's like going back to your ex that, you know, it's <laughs> not good for you. And, you know, they come back with a great and it's story. comforting. It's comforting. You focus on all the things you miss. Movie night sounds amazing. And then a week later, you're like trying to talk to them about something serious and work through a fight. It's the same crap over again, where you don't see eye to eye. And it's just like two rocks smashing into each other. And so, yeah, it's, it's the same thing with entrepreneurship and work. You can think you can tolerate it for a bit, but over time, it's just, it's not a sentence for happiness. And for me, that's, that's very important to me is I really do see life as a gift and it's not one that I'm just going to throw away. You say that you see life as a gift. Do you think that you've already discovered your purpose in life? Mm. My purpose in life. I think my purpose, if I try to go back and find the themes of what motivated me throughout my lifestyle or throughout my lifestyle, throughout my career, there has always been this sense of like liberation and entrepreneurship has always been part of it. And for a while I thought, okay, like maybe my purpose to help is to help people start businesses. And that was like very traditional, this box of like starting a business, but now where I'm at and I've been working with freelancers and remote workers and content creators and all these different ways that you can have freedom. I really realized that it's more just about liberating people to seize life and to see life as a get life as a gift and to empower them to, to feel like they have control over that. And a lot of people don't, right? A lot of people will just accept what's being given to them as just, this is how it is. And this is just the cards I've been dealt and I'm just going to work with them. And I feel like my purpose is to help people feel a bit more that they're in control of that and to empower them to, you know, not accept that. And, you know, I think my belief is the best way to have it all is to, not work most of your life. I think that there's so many more interesting things that we could be doing with our time. And the most obvious thing to change is what we do most, which what we do most is what we work is, is working. And so I feel like that's how I'm connecting those things right now, but I don't know. I think things will continue to evolve and crystallize. Like I'm constantly asking myself that question, but right now this is the direction that feels like I'm in and the momentum that I feel like I have that continuously gets me excited. Yeah. And it seems like it's working. Like you have, I know we were talking about earlier, you have your own podcast, but you also help other people produce their podcast, which is essentially helping people kind of pursue their own passions and allowing them to dream big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for seeing that connection. Cause sometimes I get confused too. I'm like, what am I even doing with this year? How is this connected? But I realized that the person I typically attract people who typically want to work with me are people who see podcasts as an outlet for something more. So a lot of people will come to me and they see their podcast as a way to be an entrepreneur or as a way to grow their existing business, or as a way to get their message out for the world, or as a way to have a certain type of lifestyle. And so, you know, there's lots of reasons you can start a podcast, but that seems to be a theme of the people who want to work with me seem to be drawn to this like bigger message. Like, I guess, energy that I give off. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like low-key we're connected spirits. I don't, because <laughs> I definitely have, I mean, I I believe in everything that you're saying because I believe in that mentality of just having an open life and just basically enjoying life, like enjoying all that life has to offer. And as in addition, just finding interesting people to question and like learn about and learn from, because mm-hmm. that just not only opens up your mindset and your perspective, but it just it makes life more interesting. I feel like, (laughs) do you feel like, you know, what your purpose is? I ask myself this question, like at least five times a week. (laughs) Um, I feel like, cause right now is a really critical stage for me. So I'm 23. I I had to think for a minute cause my birthday is coming up. I'm about to turn 24. And I just feel like I graduated from college and I immediately found a job and I did all the things that I was supposed to do but it didn't necessarily fulfill me. It didn't necessarily make me happy. And so I think back to what it, what do I do that makes me happy? And I know one thing is photography. Like I love taking pictures of just capturing raw moments. Like I loved street photography. And one thing that I really like to do is travel. And when I get to travel, I take pictures and I meet these people that I'm taking these pictures of. And I realize. I love people. And so that's one thing why I kind of started this podcast was because I get really intrigued by learning from other people and getting to see different perspectives. And this podcast allows me to do that. Like it gives me a platform where I can reach out to individuals such as yourself and get to learn about your lifestyle and like your perspective and just how you see the world, which kind of either changes my perspective or kind of affirms what I've already felt. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, it just shows how open you are. Right. And, uh, I think that's you, like, you really shouldn't downplay that because not everybody is open to new perspectives and is open to questioning how they are thinking about things and doing that. And I think it's such a missed opportunity to be so rooted in our ways and to think we know it all and to just not be open to the other perspective, because, like my partner and I always say this, like he came into the relationship with one idea with how he thought his next decade would go, let's say. And I came into the relationship with a completely different way that we thought the next decade would go. And then bam, we like co-created and, and we're constantly being like, this was so much better than I thought. And we both just like brought our ideas together and created something so much more amazing. And that is the beauty of just like being open to influence and collaborating with people and being willing to change your direction and, and, and get inspiration from sources when you least expect it. And like, that is a gift. And so, you know, if you're open to that and like, that's part of your lifestyle, like that's going to be something that's going to really take you to amazing places. So I would keep pursuing that for sure. No, I definitely agree. And I feel like that's what kind of opens the door to like all these different amazing experiences. Because one thing I've noticed one trademark quote that I see a lot on your page and in your podcast is what's your free. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on this? Is this like your mantra? Yeah. So it kind of builds on what we were talking before about how like there's no right way to have the freedom lifestyle. Like the freedom lifestyle looks different for everyone. I'll say it in my podcast voice. I end my episodes like the freedom lifestyle looks different for everyone. What's your free? Oh, I love that. (laughs) That's what I say. That's what I say. And like, that is the message of just, it literally looks different for everyone. So I'm not coming into this. I try not to be, I'm a Virgo. And so Virgos tend to like have an idea about how everyone should run their lives. And like, I definitely have to catch myself because I think I'm doing it right. But 
and I stop and I take the like emotion out of it. I truly believe that I'm just here to expose people to various ways and empower people to start shaping that for themselves, start taking the paintbrush and painting it themselves. And so, yeah, what's your free is a metaphor for believing that it is your duty to ask that question and you are allowed to ask that and you are allowed to follow what comes up for you when you ask that and that whatever comes up, no matter what you've been exposed to, whatever you've been told was possible or whatever you thought was possible. If when you ask yourself, what's your version of free, if something else comes up that you haven't been exposed to, like you're allowed to follow that and you should follow that. And I'm going to do everything I can to help you get there, whether it's by sharing my story or treating my podcast as a job where it's my duty to find other people who are doing it and really unlocking how they did it and why they did it and how it's impact their lives and hopes that people can take little different nuggets of inspiration and, you know, don't copy the whole thing. Don't copy my lifestyle. <laughs> don't copy exactly how I did it because that's, this is my version of being happy, but like draw inspiration from these different sources to figure out what's your free. No. And I like how you make that separation. Like don't copy what I'm doing. Cause I, I remember I saw, I think it was either TikTok or Instagram reel. And they were saying like, who do you want to be like when, uh, when you were growing up and, oh, I think it was Rihanna. And she, uh, someone was asking her, who did you want to be like, or who do you aspire to be like? And she was like me, I only aspire mm-hmm. to just be me. And I feel like that's so true. Like you can liken kind of model your life after someone, but you shouldn't try to completely copy them or completely become who they are because that's them. That's not you. That may not, what worked for them may not work for you. Totally. Like my version of free is the freedom to be myself every single day. Like I find that that's the most empowering thing. I don't need to change who I am to fit in to any type of situation. If I'm changing and altering who I am and not being my true self for a relationship or for a job, you know, that's, that's not right. And I want to surround myself with opportunities and people that allow me to be myself, the good parts and the bad parts. And, you know, I choose to double down on the good versus be like, okay, how can I improve the bad? I'm like, I'm just going to make the good parts me even better. And that's my philosophy. But for me, freedom is to just be able to be myself and be safe in the things that I have around me that I don't have to be perfect all the time. I can just be me. Yeah. And I, I feel like you're a very positive person. What do you do to kind of that maintain that positivity or just keep like a healthy mindset? Like, do you have any morning rituals or routines that you do? Yeah. Energy management is huge for me. It really is. And I spend a lot of time checking in on how I feel and it's not an overly meditative process. Like I'm naturally a very emotional feelings person. So, you know, it's very obvious when things are off, but I've spent a lot of time thinking about when do I feel my best? When do I feel the best in my body, the best in my mind? And how do I come up with the most creative ideas? And I just am constantly trying to create my life more that way. So you know, little things are, I try not to have any calls before 10 30 AM and I sleep at least eight hours. And before I check my phone, I do a meditation and I do my grateful journal and I pour a cup of coffee and, you know, I, I working out is huge for me. Like I have so much extra energy and 
being here in Costa Rica where I don't have a car, but like everything I do is a bike ride. Like it sounds so small and simple, but that's huge. Instead of just hopping in my car to do everything, I hop on my bike and like that makes me feel really good. Um, not living with obligation. Like when I look at my calendar the day of, and I just see a bunch of things I don't want to do. I try not to have that situation happen all the time. And I give myself some grace, like, you know, it's don't be mad at yourself that you scheduled yourself this way, or you got yourself into this position, but like, let's use this as a single let's signal. Let's find empowerment in this. Let's do less of this. And let's say no more to things. And, you know, it's a constant check-in on my energy because I think it's everything. And it's everything from how I feel and how I make other people feel to the work I can create. It's my whole reality is based on my energy. That's really amazing. That really is. And I feel like that's really important and vital because I feel like a lot of people aren't in tune with their energy or aren't in tune with their feelings. And I feel like that's definitely something that's learned because it's not something we're taught for sure. And I really commend you on being able to be so attuned with yourself. Well, a practical tip that I feel like is just a great place for anybody to start, which is what I started with when, before I was into like any personal development is I just like took a piece of paper and I made a line in the middle and I said, things that make me feel good and things that make me feel bad. And I just like wrote it down. And that was just like step one. It's like things that make me feel good. Okay. Like cuddling with my cat, you know, hanging out with my grandma, having a good chat with my girlfriends, working out things that make me feel bad. Like maybe like being hungover or talking to this certain person or, you know, eating late at night chocolate or something like that. Right. And just like, just name it and just start to see that like, that is step one is to even just notice like these things make me feel good. This things make me feel bad. It's not that you have to only do things that make you feel good, but know that it's like a lifelong journey. And so the sooner we just start to like name it, the sooner we can get a control of it. And, you know, I'm never going to be one of those celebrities you hear that have these like crazy regimens and, and like perfect routines, because that's not who I am. Like I actually deliberately want to cheat and I deliberately want to break the rules of like, Oh, well, I said I wasn't going to do this, but you know what? I'm really tired this morning and I'm not waking up. I'm going to look at my phone before I meditate and that's fine. But I try to do that like once a week and not seven. And like, that's enough for me. And it makes a huge difference. And I feel like that is such a great mindset and mentality to have because you're allowing yourself grace. Like you're not being hard on yourself. If, okay, maybe I wasn't as productive today. That's okay. Like you'll be like tomorrow, it's a new day. We'll try again. Totally. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is they say like when people try to quit smoking or something and then they smoke a cigarette and they, what's the word? There's a word. When they go back to relapse, it or- relapse, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> relapse, you know, there's no relapsing in this stuff. It's just about giving yourself the grace and just like, okay, try again tomorrow. And I don't know, it really works for me. I'm trying not to give out blanket advice because I'm really realizing that for some people, what I find motivating works for me, isn't going to work for them. But I think this, like taking a piece of paper, what makes you feel good? What doesn't is a great place to start. I agree. And one last question I want to ask is what's next for you, Sam? Do you have any interesting places that you plan on traveling and working to remotely at or any new projects that you're working on? 
Mm -hmm. Well, this has been an interesting year because by November, my entire year was decided for me. So by November, 2021, my partner and I, typically we do like a goal setting weekend right before the new year. And we like to get visual where we kind of put the quarters of the year and we kind of like draw what we're doing. And by November, we had the whole year planned and um, not really dictated by us. So this year I have three destination weddings one in Chicago, one in Portugal, and one in Kelowna, British Columbia. Hmm. And then I have three company retreats that I'm working at, one in Costa Rica, one in Bali, and one in Tulum, Mexico in about three weeks. And yeah, and then I wanted to go to Costa Rica for a quarter and to come back here because we were here last year. So, so much of the year was already decided for us. And that was both exciting and also maybe a bit sad because there was less opportunity for serendipity, but this year looks like a lot of travel looks like going to a lot of really exciting destinations to the world around the world. Some I haven't been to before some I have, and then work-wise, you know, things are flowing really well. Like I'm at a really good stage in my business where, you know, the money is coming in and I have those repeat clients and I've learned to figure out what are the types of offers that will, I can charge more for and, you know, work less for and are more fun to do. And what I would, my dream to do more of is more public speaking, my dream. And I'm trying to share it with more people. It's like, I would love to be one of these public speakers who just get paid these tens of thousands of dollars to go around and speak at stages and tell their stories. Like, I feel that that's something in my future. And so I'm trying to get closer to that. And, you know, I'm grateful this for this opportunity to work on my public speaking skills with you. Yeah. And I'm, I already know that based on just talking to you that you're the type of person that when you have your mindset to something, I believe that you'll get it done. So I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to be able to achieve those things. I hope so. Yeah. So hopefully doing more of that kind of stuff and more speaking and making that one of my revenue streams, like a more serious one. Well, Sam, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know you probably could have been out like in the beach in Costa Rica or just shopping or riding your bike. But I really appreciate you being able to come on to my podcast and just talk to me and just basically share your inspiration and all the things that you've achieved. No, I'm happy to be here. You did a great job. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, that makes me happy. I absolutely loved that conversation. She's such a light and I adore it. Sam is definitely in a position I definitely like to see myself in. Hopefully in the near future, I'll definitely be manifesting it, a lifestyle like hers. But like we said earlier, it's good to look to people for inspiration, but not imitation. It prevents the real you from shining through. With that being said, next week we will be diving into the chaotic and craziness that is South by Southwest. One of my favorite times of the year and it just so happens to start on my birthday, March 11th. So it will be a great way to kick off chapter 24 in my life. So make sure to tune back in next week to catch my interview with Darisha Kai, an Emmy award-winning director who will be premiering her film, Mama Bears, at South by Southwest this year. Thank you for listening to Above the Mean Podcast. If you liked it, make sure to comment and subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to our Instagram. I'll be uploading highlight clips and bonus reels from the podcast. And as always, remember, don't settle for average. Rise above the mean and stand out.